are thankful that uh, the Lord has been good to us. We have, uh, I know Brother David has an appointment tomorrow, and we have just uh, been doing our best to um, uh, keep all of us worshiping, praising God, believing God, and uh, knowing that we are growing apostolic legacy. And I want to talk tonight a little bit about having the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ. And I know uh, as a famous uh, familiar verse, verses, if you will, that we can talk about in the Word in, in Philippians, and this is not a picture of Jesus. Uh, they didn't have uh, uh, cameras when he was alive, so uh, don't, don't uh, get uh, bent out of shape thinking this is the guy. Uh, but uh, um, having the mind of Christ. Paul wrote to the Philippian church, and interesting, some of the backstory of some of the books of the Bible, when you read uh, some of the books, is to begin to look at when and where and what was going on when <clears throat> the writers wrote to them. And and Philippians is one in which there was great suffering, great uh, uh, trials, great tribulation. And he talks about rejoicing and, and so forth. And in some of these books, you, you find the emphasis is uh, written uh, when you're in the midst of a trial, when you're in the midst of a tribulation. And it was in such a time, such a book, that Paul wrote to the Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So basically getting the mind of Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. So in other words, while he knew who he was, God manifest in the flesh, uh, the Son of God, the, he knew who he was, yet he did not consider it inappropriate to be uh, in, in equal to God. In fact, we know the Bible says all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily, and yet he humbled himself and made himself of no reputation. He didn't come as the King of Kings. He didn't come as the Lord of Lords. He didn't come uh, as a powerful man. He was born humble beginnings, and we know Christmas time, you know, they talk about uh, being born in a manger in Bethlehem and in a stable, and he was not, uh, he had no uh, reputation, so to speak. He had no one to look at him. He was not born in the palace. He wasn't born to a powerful, uh, well-connected man or family. He was born to a carpenter. And uh, 
he was uh, th in that family, and uh, they were not a wealthy family because when they went back to Bethlehem, there was uh, no room, no, no one. They didn't have enough money to say, hey, we'll pay more than somebody else. We'll kick them out, put us in a good room. My wife's uh, fixing to have a baby. Uh, basically, they, the innkeeper just opened, you know, and said, that, that's it. You can sleep with the animals and, and give birth there. So it was not a... Uh, you know, no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now that's a, that last phrase is, is kind of uh, powerful when you consider that he became obedient unto death. It was, you know, for the God of all creation, the God of the universe, to subject himself to being a man, to subject himself to being hungry, to subject himself to being thirsty, to subject himself to walk on a dusty road, to subject himself to things that we would say, you know, that's God, and yet he humbled himself, made himself become obedient unto death, and then to be willing to die, to be willing to age, to be willing to have aches and pains, to be willing then to die. And yet, it, as Paul said, even the death of the cross. Why? Because the death of the cross was tremendously humiliating. You want to talk about being made a public spectacle? You want to talk about excruciatingly painful? You know, and I know, you know, you may have pain. And I'm, I know uh, Brother Tracy and Brother Tim and, and Brother Richard and, uh, you know, individuals that are battling things in their body go through, you know, tremendous amount of pain and tremendous amount of, uh, of agony. That's physical. And we've seen others go through uh, extraordinary amount of pain. But imagine the pain of... Of the cross, the humiliation of the cross, the beatings, the crown of thorns, and when you put all of that, and yet he was the God of the universe. And so when you say, wow, <clears throat> if anyone could have escaped it, he could have. And yet he humbled himself. And he went through it. And I know that we, we, you know, I don't, I like the part of Christ where he feeds the 5,000 and he walks on water and he opens blinded eyes, raises the dead, huh? I don't like the part as what Paul indicated that he put on the mind of Christ and humble yourself. And go through the suffering. Become obedient to it. Because you realize there must be the Lord has something else for us. And that he's working something for our good. Paul later in the same book began to tell the Philippians. And we are also familiar with these verses. He said be careful for nothing. In that 
phrase careful for nothing means don't have anxiety. We'll talk about that verse again. But in everything by what? Prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Sometimes that's hard to do. I can pray, oh God, help me. I can pray, oh God, answer. But do I do it with thanksgiving? Lord, I thank you. Let your request be made known unto God. And then what did he say was going to happen? The peace of God, which you shouldn't have, passes all understanding. In other words, you know, there is no reason. And, and you could talk to many of these that are battling their own life-threatening situations from young to old and say, you know, how, how can you, you know, not drive you crazy, you know, the, the anxiety, the concern, the frustration, the fear ought to overwhelm you. But guess what? There is a peace of God that passes all understanding. You say, well, here, here I am. And, you know, um, I, when I was younger, I, I you know, I, I had asthma for a while and then seemed to outgrow it or whatever. And I, I empathize with Brother Reagan, who has, of course, a condition much more severe than I had. But I remember as a child when you couldn't breathe and the, and the more you tried to take a deep breath and the less you felt like you could breathe. Huh? And there was no peace in that. It's anxiety producing. It's, it's overwhelming. And yet, he said, and the peace of God will keep your hearts. What are your heart? Your heart is your emotions. And your mind? What is your mind? Your thoughts. Through Christ Jesus. So this is why... And then he goes on, verses that we're familiar with, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, good report, virtue, any praise. You can start thinking, huh, I can't breathe. I'm not going to make it. Oh, I can't take the pain. I can't do this. I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't. Or I can say, let me focus, refocus my mind. Lord, you are great. You are amazing. Lord, you're doing some great things. I don't know what you're doing with all this through me, but I'm going to refocus my thinking on whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, virtue, praise. You say, well... I, you don't understand right now. I don't feel like praising. I don't feel like having a good report. I don't, I, you don't understand. I don't have a good report. Yes, but this is getting the mind of Christ. It's refocusing my mind. You know, well, I, I just can't do anything. I, I, I can't do anything. Well, I can still praise. I can still send a text. I can still raise my hand. I can still worship. Amen. 
You say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I, I know this is what it means about having the mind of Christ. In fact, uh, Corinthians, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, uh, the first book, he said, for who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who that he may instruct him? He was basically saying, who among us, you know, it, it, when you say I have the mind of Christ, you know, it's not that I am smarter than God or that I know more than God. He said, who hath known the mind of the Lord that we can instruct him? I can't. But we have the mind of Christ because guess what? There is no example of Christ. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read them sideways. Read them backwards. Read them forwards. Never did Jesus say, Lord, here's what I want you to do, and if you don't do it, I'm going to get mad. I'm going to be offended. I can't understand, God, why you're not doing... Huh? You remember? He wrote it in Philippians, humbled himself, obedient. This is what, Lord, if this is my path, if this is my purpose, if this is the plan. Huh? Oh, I don't get the, you know. And I, and no one here, it's a Wednesday night and I get it, we're, everybody that's tuned in and everybody that's online and everybody that's in the building is, you know, they're veterans and they've, they've gone through a lot of battles and wars and that, none of us, but there have been times when we've all been overwhelmed. And you want to say, well, God, why don't you? And I... Let me tell you what you need to do, Lord. And I got a good idea. As a matter of fact, if you just let me, I could straighten all this mess out. Huh? I could straighten it out for the government. I could straighten it out for the economy. I could do it all. I could straighten it out for the viruses, pandemic, I could handle it. I know what just exactly. Let me just tell you, I can't instruct the Lord as the mind of Christ. That doesn't mean that I get to tell the Lord what to do. It means that I humble myself and I say, oh Lord, I need you. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, he said, but I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. What are you saying? Because the serpent tricked Eve into believing that she knew what was best for her. Opening the door to pain, suffering, death, corruption. You remember I read it the other day? All of creation has been groaning since Eve opened the door. Gave the fruit to Adam, Adam ate, sin entered the world. 
Very simple. You've heard me say it before. Would have loved to have been a pastor, the first pastor. Get up, say, don't eat of the tree. You are dismissed. Never have to preach a funeral. Never have to visit the hospital. Huh? Never have to have prayer line. Huh? Would have been a wonderful job. Hallelujah. Don't eat of the tree. You are dismissed. He said, it was very simple. It was very simple. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't, well, you know, I mean, you know, let's get real plain. It wasn't even, you didn't have to worry about what people were wearing or not wearing or. Woo! Hallelujah. You talk simple. You know, didn't have to say. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you let your kids see. Be careful what, who you hang out with. Why? The simplicity that was in Christ. And he said, you know, unfortunately the devil has an ability to, you know, it's a, uh, I, I guess if you want to call it, um, a subtle way of getting us to justify things that will destroy us. I will definitely start my diet January 1st. I am going to exercise later. I'm going to start tomorrow. I, huh? I'm just going to eat another piece of pecan pie because Sister Bit made it and it's good. That's all I'm going to do. Just one more piece. Another bite of sweet potato pie. Sorry, that's it. That's all I'm going to I'm just, I will definitely, we have a way to justify everything we do. Oh, not me. I... I do what is right all the time. No, none of you do. None of us do. I don't do it. And, and so he said, you know, he will, he will actually get us to convince ourselves. And I, I've had people tell me why, you know, I, I only did this because I thought this was what I... You know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and to the Thessalonian church, he said it like this, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. You ever felt an attack in the mind? One writer wrote, the battlefield is the mind. He said, I don't want you to be soon shaken in mind or troubled by spirit or word or letter that the day of Christ is at hand. What he was meaning was that the Lord, they were troubled because people were saying, well, the Lord had already come all the way back then, 2,000 years ago. And he said, don't be shaken in, in mind over that. 
Now, not only did Paul, of course, write about the mind of Christ and, and having the mind of Christ, but we know that Simon Peter was also, uh, who was one of the disciples of the Lord and wrote in a book, First Peter, one of his first epistle. And I know if you were to give uh, first Peter a, a sort of name that you, the first epistle of, of Simon Peter, a, a, a title, <clears throat> rather than the epistle of Simon Peter, you would say, how to handle and conquer suffering. So if you're ever going through something, uh, read, the read the five chapters of first Peter, because you will learn how to handle and conquer suffering in that book. Uh, it's an amazing book. You've probably, I've read scriptures from it. I do all the time. I will read it quite often. And you say, well, why? Well, because it, it gives us instruction. The first sort of, there are four main areas of uh, the first epistle of, of Simon Peter. And then starting at the first chapter, in the first verse through about the 12th verse, where you understand Simon to helps them understand their relationship with God. Uh, the pro, the, why there are trials, why there are temptations, why uh, that we are know that we are saved and why we've been chosen, etc., etc., for about 12 verses. And then he switches gears in the first chapter, about verse 13, all the way through the second chapter up into the middle of the third chapter. And I know when these books were written, they weren't written in chapters. It was one long letter. The chat verses are only put there so we can find specific verses a little easier and words. But <clears throat> from chapter 1, verse 13, through chapter 3, verse 12, you can mark in your Bible that basically what Simon says is you've got to give your life completely to the Lord. You have to know who you are. You've got to understand and practice submission. He talks about practicing it, be submitted to uh, authorities, husbands and wives, submission. He talks all about living at peace, having your mind, your emotions, your relationships, all at peace, forgiving, all of those things. He talks about getting yourself completely emerged in him, abiding in Christ, if you will. And then in about the third chapter, the 13th verse through the fourth chapter, at the end of the fourth chapter, actually through the fourth chapter, the 19th verse, he talks about living righteously and not for evil. So his first thing is to understand your relationship with God and then to get your life in house in order and, and, and connected to who you're connected with and then not to live unrighteously to guard your mind guard your emotions guard your actions and he talks about that and then last but not least he talks about how the church should function the duties of bishops and elders and pastors and so forth and with the main emphasis on being faithful. So that's the that's the breakdown of 1 Peter and you can uh, read that for homework, that epistle and, and begin to look at it. But all of that is about how to 
conquer uh, suffering, how to handle suffering. And, and why is that important? Because when people aren't doing right and they start going through things, then immediately they, they feel conviction or they feel God you know, correcting them. And you're going to have to respond in a couple of ways. You're either going to get mad at God or resent God or, or say it's not fair. You're angry. And if you don't have a good connection with a church and a church body, then you feel all alone. You feel isolated. Huh? And so that's why all of this is about conquering and handling suffering. So when you look, the, the first, he talks about knowing who you are. And then the second group was to give your life completely to him. So starting at about the 13th verse, which is the beginning of that second section, he said, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Another place, he had said, be sober and be vigilant for your devil, your adversary is like a what? Roaring lion trying to destroy. You know, folks, this is a battle. It's real. You know, and I, we have a, a heater that's gone out, a boiler in the house for the missionaries, the missionary that was there. And the last night it started getting cold and we, and we've had a, Bobby Brown's been looking at it and we've got a boiler, we can't, it's an old boiler, it's been in the house probably 50 years or 60 years or 70 years, however long the house has been working. We don't know if we can get parts for it. And we, you know, I, I was talking to him today and his brother died from COVID and someone else, you know, his aunt or something passed away from COVID. It's real. People are getting sick. People are having, dealing with issues. You say, oh, pastor, it's, it's all, you know, and you say, well, I don't, and you know, you can run yourself ragged saying, well, you know, are they, are they killing them? Are they letting them die? Are they, why aren't they treating it? Why aren't they? I want to just tell you something. You got to at some point gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, be vigilant because you can find yourself anxious and worried and angry and frustrated. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm waiting for the grace of God to come down, the mercy. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves after according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. What are you saying? I'm saying that when you're going through suffering, you got to say, look, Lord, I want to die. You know, I'm getting real with you now. So, well, we're all doing right. I'm not, I know this is us, but that's why individuals say, you know what, I need to, I need to 
read the word. I need to pray. I need to jump on down. You can read all that second chapter, read into the third chapter, get into the fourth chapter. For he said, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. What did he say do? Arm yourself. Likewise, with what? That same mind. You've got to get the mind of Christ. That's what arms you. You have no ammunition to fight the fear, the anxiety, the frustration, the worry, the stress. Sorry. Well, I'm following the science and it'll all be okay. Well, I'm following whatever political party. It'll all be all right. We gotta, I'm following the doctors. You can get online and hear 42 different doctors with 45 different things to say. Huh? Arm yourself with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Now that's a powerful... I don't even like that turn of phrase. He said sometimes when you're overwhelmed and going through it, guess what? The Lord's got your full attention. You don't mess around. Huh? Oh, well, Pastor, are you saying that everybody that's suffering in the flesh has been sinning? No, but I'm telling you, when you're going through it, you get laser-like focus. I don't have time for it. I'm sorry, I don't have time to be mad. I don't have time to fight with you. Huh? I don't have time to get fret. Sorry. Love you. See you later. Can't afford it. You know? You, you pick up your child or your husband or wife and put them in your back seat and you're racing to the hospital. You're not worried about what Cousin Boudreaux did last week. Huh? You're not frustrated with whether or not you're going to find the money to pay that bill. Right? I got one thing on my mind. I got one thing. That's what I'm zeroed in on. You see what I'm saying? So he said, he that hath suffered in the flesh, all of a sudden you get a, a very singular mind that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So when you're going through it, you know what? You go, hey, the only thing I need to do is live for God, worship God, praise God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. In the times past, we walked in lasciviousness, partying, lust, wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. You know, 
Someone that's, man. But, uh, you know, you can, you can do all of those things and all of those things are important, but then you load your daughter up in the back of the car. You're not wondering, well, what am I going to party? How, where am I going to party Friday night? Huh? Oh, I can't wait till I can get drunk. That's not what's crowing through your mind. You see what I'm saying? That's why Paul, I mean, Simon Peter said, all of a sudden, when you're going through something in the flesh, you zero back in on God, on getting help. Now, if, you know, I help, I, I go to the doctor, whatever. He said, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the excess of a riot. And so, you know, people that have been your friends can't understand. Why are you so involved in church? Why are you going to church? Because I've been going through it and I am now zeroed in on God. I'm sorry if you don't get that. He said, they will speak evil of you. You know what? You have to say, I'm sorry, you, you know. Kind of like the song, you know, that I've heard sung, you know. Excuse me if I worship. Excuse me if I shout. Pardon me. That offends you. A song somebody used to sing about, hold my mule. Huh? Why? Because God's been good. Maybe you can come and it's all just, well, you know, it's another Wednesday night. I've come because I need a touch from God. I've come because I need God to move. I need a miracle. It's a whole different laser focus when you are desperate for God, when you are suffering. That's why that's why Simon would write this. He said, Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For this cause the gospel preached also to them that are dead, dead in sin and trespasses, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. There's that word again. And watch unto prayer. What are you saying? I'm getting the mind of Christ. I'm getting laser-like focus. I want you to know as a church why we go. You say, I don't understand. It seems like every family's going through something. I agree. I understand, but you know what it should do? Laser focuses us into the mind of Christ. We want to have the mind of Christ. We want God to move, touch, deliver, set free, heal. Put us in the mind of Christ. Well, you know, what is, what is it that the mind of Christ is understanding, first of all, that God is transcendent. Transcendent. What does it mean to be transcendent? Above everything. How many believe God is transcendent? He is God. He is above everything. 
Psalms 23rd chapter. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalms 121st chapter. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord which made heaven and earth. What does it mean to be transcendent? The Lord started this whole thing. He spoke the worlds into existence. I understand we don't need to litter and we don't need to throw things and be trash and wasteful. But I'm here to tell you that mankind will not save this planet one second beyond when the Lord said it's enough. Brother Rodney Hoskins had sent me a, 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 a blurb from, not from a religious organization, but just from, I don't, I don't remember, Newswire, that this past week, you know, a few days ago, there were 40 plus earthquakes off the coast of Oregon. They were three of them within just seconds of over a magnitude of five, 5.3, 5.8, bam, 40. And just, they said, it's just shaking unbelievably. Let me tell you something. In one moment, the Lord can change the atmosphere, a volcano. You want to talk about global warming? And I understand the pollutants and oh we shouldn't pollute but guess what the Lord can have about five volcanoes pollute the whole atmosphere and the sun go out just like that and I, I'm sorry all of the recycling trash won't stop the volcano and I'm not that's not justification for just Littering, but my point is, he is above everything. He made this universe. He breathed into Adam. You don't think God is able to change cells in my body, change cells in other... We're, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. God can do anything. He is totally able to rewrite the laws of physics. He could step out on water, which shouldn't be able to hold a human being and walk on it. And when Simon Peter said, that's the kind of God we serve. You say, it's, he made heaven and earth. He will not suffer your foot to be moved. He, will, he who keeps thee will not slumber nor sleep. Behold, he that keepeth Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That's God is above everything. He's transcendent. Psalms the 8th chapter, David said, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you've ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, that your mind is so full of him, and the son of man that you would visit him? You've made him lower than the angels, crowned him with glory and honor, and made him have dominion over the works of his, your hands, and have put all things under his feet. He said, first of all, God is transcendent. It, and then he said, God is also imminent. Not only is he transcendent, above all, he's imminent. Now that's not I-M-M-I-N-E-N-T, but it's I-M-M-A-N-E-N-T. There's a difference. Imminent with an I means, you know, Problem's going to happen quickly. Imminent. We're in imminent danger. But imminent with an A means that 
abiding within. That here is this God that is above us, but he wants to be involved in us and with us. That's like two opposite different things. Here he is, God. And yet he wants to be involved in my life. Wow. You know, when you stop, that's why when David wrote here in this 8th Psalm, what is man that your mind is so full of him when I consider the sun and the moon and the stars and all the stuff you've made? How, why are you worried about me? Because not only is God transcendent, but he is also imminent. He wants to worry about us. He wants to be involved in our lives. And, and you read Genesis, the 16th chapter. You remember this first dawned on a lady by the name of Hagar. Remember the story? Abraham, you know, <clears throat> trying to have a child with Sarah. And Sarah gets a handmaiden from the Egyptian Pharaoh. And they send him out. And so she begins to think, well, maybe it's because you're going to have the child with my handmaiden. So Sarah's idea is to say, Abraham, you be with Hagar. Remember the story? And she has the baby. Sarah hadn't had one yet. But before long, just seeing that little kid around, I'm just mad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's rocking the baby. Oh, yeah. She's playing with the baby. Sarah, don't forget, you're the one that set this up. Well, I'm mad. So what does she do? She goes to Abe and says, get rid of her. And here is a lady who is Egyptian by birth who does not, who worships Ra and the, all the gods of the Egyptians, but she's been living under the protection of a man that has a covenant with God. And he throws her out. And she goes out into the desert with a little jug of water. And all of a sudden, boom, the Lord appears to her. And you read it very carefully. She didn't say Ra. She didn't say the God of the Egyptians or the Nile or the frogs. But she uses Jehovah. She said, and she called the name of the Lord that spoke unto her. The Jehovah seest me. What? She got a revelation that that God way up there that she had heard Abraham talk about was watching out for her because he told her, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. She went back, grew up, Ishmael grew up, what are you saying? I'm here to tell you, you've got to get a revelation that that big God up there that said, let there be light and there was light. 
He's worried about what you've done today. He's worried about what I'm going through to right now. He's worried about everything. He is involved. As a matter of fact, Matthew, Luke talk about he knows how many hair I have, how many dropped out in the sink. He knows about the sparrows. That's the kind of God we serve. You've got to get this mind of Christ that I know who God is. Not only is he transcendent and not only is he eminent, but he is also provident. What does that mean? He's got a plan. I know. Hard to believe. And I, I, I you know, I, I, I listened to few weeks ago to a reporter talking about how there's not even bats in Wuhan except those that are in the lab that the bats live a thousand miles away and that it was foolish to think that those bats came to that you know and that all of this was an accident and it came out of the lab and I was listening to all of this and let me just tell you they may find it and never not find it but you know oh there's this problem that problem in the world but let me explain something to you God has a plan and I know we can get mad and say it all came from the Chinese or we can say it all came from the Democrats or the Republicans or you can, but let me tell you, none of that is out of the plan of God. He could stop it, change it. Don't think for a moment that God does not have, you know, he's not have a plan. As a matter of fact, in Psalms, David said it like this, you possess my reins, you've covered me in my mother's womb, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. I don't know why God didn't give me more talent, didn't give me. He said, oh, marvelous are thy works, my soul knoweth right well, my substance was not hid from thee. And when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth, your eyes saw my substance, yet being unperfect and in thy book, all thy members were written, which are in continuance and fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So that's why this whole movement of people saying, well, I don't know, you know, I don't think that God, God made a mistake. I was born to be a different gender or a different. That's just so you've messed up the whole understanding of who God is. He had a plan for you. He has a plan. An individual that says, oh, well, God made a mistake. He didn't give me, you know, why wasn't I born seven feet tall so I could have played for the NBA? He had a different plan. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, 
oh, they are more than the number and than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with thee. In the New Testament, Paul wrote it, being confident of the very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you shall complete it and perform it until the day of Christ. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are God and are called according to his purpose. What are you saying? God's able to work it all out. Joseph's brothers were bad for selling him, but God got him right down. And Pharaoh's, I mean, had him thrown in jail. Potiphar's wife lied, but God's plan still comes to pass. That's how big God is. You can say, well, I don't understand. God is so far above me. Yes, he is. He is also near me. Yes, he is. And he also has a plan for me. Yes, he does. And you've got to keep reminding yourself of that. You've got to tell yourself over and over and over again. I don't understand the plan yet, Lord. But whatever the plan is, it's going to be all right. Because you've got a plan. You've got this thing. I don't know what you're doing with it. I don't know. I'm just sorry, but I know you've got a plan. You, you have not been caught with anything that you said, oh, myself. Where did that come from? Huh? He's got a plan. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ. Oh. I don't sometimes understand his plan. I don't necessarily like his plan. I don't like walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But I know in whom I have believed. And I know he is able. Let's stand. I, oh, hallelujah. We're going to get the mind of Christ. You say, well, I, 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 don't, I, I, I want to start thinking like Jesus. You got to start thinking, Lord, you're up there, but you're down here and you got a plan. I'm not sure what that plan is, but I know that you got one. Hallelujah. If you want